It is good to worship with you here in person today and with all of you worshiping with us online. We are in a sermon series called Faithful. We're learning how to employ a full measure of faith as Christian believers. And today, I want to draw your attention to Psalm 24, verses 1 through 2. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. And the title of my sermon is Generous Faith, Elementary Stewardship. The scripture says this, The earth is the Lord's and all that is in it, the world and those who live in it, for he has founded it on the seas and established it on the rivers. Let us pray. Lord God, in this preaching moment, I simply ask that you would help me to speak your word, help them to hear your word, and Lord, help us all to do your word. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I don't think I knew what the term stewardship meant until I was well into my 20s. But I knew it had something to do with money, and I knew that Stewardship Sunday was the punchline of the church calendar. Sounds like a good weekend to go to the lake. It's Stewardship Sunday. Y'all want to go to Dunkin' Donuts right after Sunday school? You know, it's Stewardship Sunday. Some people don't like preaching at all. I'm aware of that as a preacher. But even people that do like preaching, some of them don't like stewardship sermons because they have to do with money. However, the biblical concept of stewardship includes much, much more than dollars and cents. It's an old school word, stewardship. It evokes situations when landowners hire people to manage their property and their possessions. Such managers are called stewards. So a steward is essentially a manager of someone else's stuff. Stewardship is about managing land, managing possessions, managing money, resources, etc. The key to understanding stewardship is to view ourselves as managers rather than owners. We are charged with managing someone else's property and possessions and doing so in a way that pleases the owner. The Christian concept of stewardship presupposes that God created the heavens and the earth. So if you don't believe God created the heavens and the earth, the rest of this sermon will be totally meaningless to you. You may want to take a nap right where you are or turn off the live stream. But if you do believe that God created the heavens and the earth, if you do believe God created all that is seen and unseen, 
then look at Psalm 24.1 with me. The earth is the Lord's and all that is in it, the world and those who live in it. Since God created earth, earth belongs to God. And everything in it belongs to God. We get confused sometimes because a plot of earth is commonly called property. There is private property, which is owned by individuals or corporations, and there is public property, which is owned by governments. So thousands of signs dot the landscape of our country saying private property because legally speaking, individuals own certain plots of earth. Likewise, there are many signs that say things like such and such state park or such and such national forest because legally speaking, governments own certain plots of ground. Theologically speaking, however, spiritually speaking, the identification of land as property is an illusion. Whether we have the deed to a ranch in Montana or condos in Manhattan. The land is not ours. Whether we have the deed to a quarter acre lot in Kentucky or a beachfront home in Malibu, the land is not ours. The earth is the Lord's and all that is in it, says the scripture. We are stewards of God's earth, managers of God's land, and bona fide owners of nothing. We have become so engrossed in modern understandings of land that we might think the United States government and its citizens actually own this glorious stretch of land we inhabit from sea to shining sea and that the Canadian government and its citizens actually own the land to the north of us and that the Mexican government and its citizens actually own the land to the south of us. Maps signifying who possesses which geographical region have etched their way into our consciousness so that we no longer see terrain but territory. We no longer see prairies but parcels. We no longer see earth but estates. Scripture offers an entirely different vision in which the earth belongs to the God who created it. <clears throat> Every land, lake, and lizard under the sun belongs to God. Every field, forest, and fish belongs to God. Every river, ravine, and raccoon belongs to God. We found a little turtle crawling in our backyard wooded area on Friday. The little fella belongs to God. In Psalm 50, God says, Every wild animal of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the air, and all that moves in the field is mine. On family road trips, when we pass a herd of cattle grazing on a hillside, sometimes I'll just say under my breath, the cattle on a thousand hills, they're all gods. In other words, the earth is the Lord's and all that is in it. 
This is why the biblical principle of the tithe originally pertained to land and livestock. The tithe means to give 10%. And the first law of tithing that appears in Scripture, Leviticus 27, 30 through 32, says this. All tithes from the land, whether the seed from the ground or the fruit from the tree, are the Lord's. They are holy to the Lord. All tithes of herd and flock, every tenth one that passes under the shepherd's staff, shall be holy to the Lord. One-tenth of the harvest was to be returned to God, as was one-tenth of the livestock, in order to honor God as the creator of all things in order to show gratitude for the many good gifts God has given us and in order to remind us that whatever we have we do not own. It was also a reminder for us to be good stewards of the earth to take care of the fields and the forests the flocks and the herds the earth is the Lord's and all that is in it. Perhaps it's not too difficult to see the earth as belonging to God since it's obvious that no human being created the earth. But what about our possessions? God didn't make my Honda or my Chevy. God didn't make my Fender or my Takamini, my Adidas or my Birkenstocks, my iPhone or my Samsung. God made the human beings that designed and manufactured these items, but God didn't directly make them, so aren't they mine? No, the earth is the Lord's and all that is in it. God wants me to use cars, guitars, shoes, phones, and other resources for God's good purposes. God wants me to manage them for God's will, not to pretend they're mine and do with them whatever I wish. I thought I owned a guitar once. I really did. It was a beautiful red Takamini. My parents bought it for me when I was 19. I loved that guitar. I took it almost everywhere with me. I played it all the time. But when I was about 30 or 31 years old, I sensed God telling me to give that guitar away. I met a group of Christian musicians, a talented group of people that were using their abilities to lead worship and glorify God and draw people to Christ, but they could not afford a high-quality guitar. By then, I had a second guitar, an even better one, which I played most of the time anyhow. But I thought I owned that beautiful red Takamini until God told me to give it away. Then I realized I couldn't keep it because it wasn't mine. The earth is the Lord's and all that is in it. What about our money, though? God didn't invent money. Humans did. God doesn't manufacture money. The mint does. God doesn't work a job to make money. We do. 
If we have worked diligently for an hourly wage, an annual salary, or the profits from a business we started with our own two hands, doesn't our hard-earned dollar belong to us? Actually, the only way we can make money is by first having life and breath and existence to begin with, second, having able mind and body to do the work, and third, having opportunity and wherewithal to become employed. Therefore, although many of us have worked very hard for what we have, we must admit that we did not supply ourselves with earth, life, breath, mind, body, talent, or opportunity to work. These are all gifts from God, stemming from God's creative goodness, and therefore, truly, ultimately, every dollar we've ever earned belongs to God. The earth is the Lord's and all that is in it. This includes every wallet, purse, bank account, and stock portfolio. God commanded people in Old Testament times to designate one-tenth of the harvest livestock and possessions for God. And this remains a healthy standard for giving today. This is a healthy foundation for developing a generous faith. We can give one-tenth of what we have to the church in order to honor God, in order to thank God for our many blessings, and in order to remind ourselves that whatever we have, we do not own. To give a tithe to the church is to demonstrate faith that we are not possessors but stewards, that we are not owners but managers, that all we have belongs to God and is to be used for God's good purposes. Such stewardship of our money may sound radical, but it's only one aspect within the broader vision of stewarding our lives. The truth is our entire life is to be managed for God's will and for God's glory. The earth is the Lord's and all that is in it, the world and those who live in it. That's us. Our self, our time, our energy, our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength are all to be managed with the understanding that we are not our own, but we belong to God. This becomes all the more emphatic in the New Testament in light of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Paul asks the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God? And that you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. I am not my own, you are not your own, we are not our own, because God has purchased our redemption through Jesus Christ. This means that our entire existence and everything about it belongs 
to God. Paul adds in Romans chapter 14, we do not live to ourselves and we do not die to ourselves. If we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. This is the good news of Christian stewardship. God has claimed us as God's own. In baptism, at the outset of our walk of faith, we declare that we are not our own, but we are God's own. We are God's people. We are God's possession. We belong to God. You know, our whole body goes under the water from head to toe. At least that's the routine mode of baptism here at Second Baptist Church. Full immersion in the water symbolizes that our whole self has come under God's grace. Our whole self is forgiven of sin. Our whole self is promised the resurrection to everlasting life. And our whole self belongs to our gracious God. We belong to God. We are claimed by God. Every inch of our height every ounce of our weight, every hair on our head, every flake of our skin, every notion in our mind, every desire of our heart, every fiber of our muscle, every fraction of our soul, we belong to God. There's a legendary story that's often told about the 16th century Russian Tsar Ivan the Terrible. Ivan decided he wanted to marry Sophia, daughter of the king of Greece. The king of Greece agreed that Ivan could have his daughter's hand in marriage, but on one condition, that Ivan get baptized and join the Orthodox Church. Ivan agreed to this, and when his soldiers found out about it, they said they wanted to get baptized as well. But there was a problem. Because in order to get baptized, you had to accept the articles of the Orthodox faith. And one of these articles said you could not be a professional soldier. So how then were these professional soldiers to get baptized? They thought about it. They talked about it. And they devised a plan. On the day of their baptism, they walked out into the water, 500 soldiers with 500 priests. And just as they were beginning to be lowered into the water, each of the soldiers drew his sword and lifted it high so that the only things that were not covered in the waters of baptism as they went under were their fighting arms and their swords. In short, they were baptized in part, but not in whole. This is not how God creates us to be. This is not how Christ redeems us to be. This is not how the Holy Spirit empowers us to be. Rather, the earth is the Lord's and all that is in it, the world and those who dwell in it. That's you. That's me. That's us. 
all of all of us belongs to God. Every part of every one of us is the Lord's. So I hope we will not conduct ourselves as if we were baptized with our arms sticking out of the water or our mind sticking out of the water or our possessions sticking out of the water. I hope instead that we will conduct ourselves as if our land, our homes, our cars, our jobs, our musical instruments, our shoes, our phones, our talents, our finances, our time, our energy, our bodies, our souls, and our very breath all belong to God. And I hope we will be faithful stewards of them all, managing them for God's purposes, employing them for God's glory, utilizing them for the doing of God's will. I realize this may sound like a master class in Christian commitment. This may sound like an advanced course in Christian spirituality. This may even sound like a doctoral seminar in Christian discipleship, but in truth, it's elementary stewardship. Amen. If you have never put your faith in Christ, if you have never given your whole self, your whole life, to Christ through faith. Won't you come forward today and put your faith in him? If you would like to be baptized, the symbol that shows us that we belong to God, won't you come forward during this last song and talk with me about baptism? If you would like to join Second Baptist Church, we'd love to have you as a member. I'd love to speak with you right down front during this last song. Or if you just want to continue to reflect, to listen to what the Spirit may be saying to you I encourage you to do so as our musicians lead us in our final congregational hymn.